Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 83. This week we're covering the Travellers Championship on the PGA Tour and the BMW International Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Our Twitter handles: I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel, where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Released one this morning for the Travelers Championship, so uh, we'll place that in the description box of the podcast. Podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, and a myriad of different pod channels. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. Now, as I say, you know, reviews and ratings on iTunes is our currency. And uh, we've had a couple of, oh, we've actually had uh, a, a number of ratings and reviews coming in. I'll read out a couple in a second. Please leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. But. I noticed this morning we've got 28 reviews now on iTunes and an average score of 4.9. So that is absolutely brilliant. The person who, who scored us one, that's not so ideal, it has to be said. But if you could keep those reviews coming, it really does help to give the podcast a boost when it comes to being actually visible on iTunes. So keep those coming. I'll read out a couple. We haven't got time to read them all out, and I'll read the others uh, next week in the uh, in the show. So first one, top podcast, five stars. Really great for narrowing down the field and understanding the demands of the course. Great tips from three different perspectives. Well done, boys. That's from Jamie S99, and he is in the UK. Jamie, thank you for that. And then a second... Uh, review here titled Americans and Euros Unite five stars greetings from the United States as somebody who takes my golf content very seriously to prepare for my own golf show I would put this golf podcast as a must listen as you prepare your picks for the week Steve and the boys do an outstanding job on course previews and correlations Course history, recent form, stats, and market value. It is a very professional product and not the amateur hour you may be used to. Plus, you get that nice European flair. He's talking about you, Barry. That just convinces you they know what they are talking about even when they pick Paul Casey at majors. (laughs) Maybe he's not talking about you. Great work, chaps. Keep it up. And this is from Nagel's Bagels. You can follow him on Twitter, at Nagels Bagels. He's the host, guess what, of the Nagels Bagels Wednesday night PGA Tour show on Periscope. So, Nagels, we appreciate your feedback. It's uh, it's uh, a very good thing that you've done there for us. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thanks again for both of the, uh, both of the reviewers. Very positive feedback. So cheers, guys. And extremely accurate with the Paul Casey point. <laughs> Steve's learned his lesson, I think, isn't it? Well, I was talking off air, wasn't I? And I was so, oh God, I was so torn to put him up and another player this week. And I've, I've looked at it in about 400 different connotations. And uh, I, I haven't put Paul Casey up. I am being 
strong to my word. It's the golf. It's the golf betting system podcast vow not to back Paul Casey. So that's where we're at at the moment. Now, it's worth recount a re. Uh, what's the word? Going back reviewing. and cover. Yeah, reviewing the U.S. Open last week, where Barry O'Hanrahan pulled one of the major coups in major tipping in recent times, didn't you, Barry? 80 to 1 on Gary Woodland. Is that correct? Yep. That was the. Uh, I, I had him multi backed. I had him with a, an each way bet and I backed him on the exchange as well. And um, yeah, I followed Jeff Feinberg's um, tweet that just said, buckle up. <laughs> so I buckled up and resisted all temptation to, uh, to lay anything off. I. It, it has bitten me in the past so many times than not laying off, but um, yeah, for you know the stars aligned and this time it held uh, it held firm and Gary was uh, very obliging altogether. <laughs> it was um, it was a very enjoyable week altogether. Um, I've often know, and, I've often thought you know we should start a podcast, the No Laying Off podcast. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's yeah. It's a bit. It's a bit close to a copyright there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah it was. I mean, I, but but there was a. I had a good bit of equity there, and I was away on a golf trip. And uh, naturally, when I started cheering for Woodland at various points throughout the weekend, the guys uh, inquired about what I uh, <laughs> what I had what I had on. And um, you know, my dad was on the trip with a few of his friends, and I suppose the the age and wisdom was was kicking into their comments. They're like, well. I mean, you've got that much there to, to lay off right now. I mean, if you don't lay off, you've lost it. And I went, well, no, I haven't because I haven't taken it yet and it's still there. So um, they, they were big proponents of t- take it now. Um, it, it, it almost made me more determined to stick to my conviction on it in a, in a weird way. So, yeah, it was um, a late Sunday night, a few beers after um, some rounds of golf in Carn in Mayo, which is, if anyone's looking for a one of the best links courses to go play it is a phenomenal trip it's uh takes a bit of effort to get there it's about a four-hour drive from dublin um but it is uh it's ridiculous um i'm gonna put i'll post a few photos on the twitter account just so people can get a look at it if they haven't seen it so we were there playing golf and then uh watching the u.s open and uh it was it was pretty special yeah fantastic what a performance oh, it, it was great I, fantastic pick from yourself barry i must say and uh you say you shot your best ever round of golf um, on Sunday, and then uh, and uh, and then picked up a huge monster win on Gary as well. So uh, they were very awesome. well done. I mean, there was a lot of Twitter feedback, wasn't there, from guys that were thanking thanking Barry and the podcast for the for the for the follow on, and there were some big big winning tickets that I saw. Mm. Some mm. very nice results out there. So if that's one of you guys, you know, congratulations. That must be the biggest major win in terms of odds for quite a chunk of time. I'm just going back to the Codfather, Jimmy Walker. Yeah, I think that was a, yeah, it, that it was makes... the last three-figure winner, wasn't yeah. it? I think? And then, uh, mm. and since then, it's all been relatively short. But um, he was great, Gary, wasn't he? You know, we've, we've watched him before. And we've seen him buckle when when the pressure really starts to tell on a Sunday. But he seemed uh, seemed calm and confident and. You know, perhaps the perhaps the news because his 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 wife's um, pregnant again with twins again, and perhaps there's some kind of, you know, 
easing of his mind or kind of mental redemption you know clearly there was tragedy before with uh, with what, what happened the first time round and mm. you know we wish him wish him well with uh, with, with this uh, with this pregnancy with his missus but um you know it's, he, he was he was great he was really really good even with the pressure of uh, kepka and breathing down his neck as uh, as sunday progressed it's uh, mm. impressive well one one thing one thing I picked up during the the week, well, and that I did wasn't aware of beforehand, that he's um, kind of sought the advice of Pete Cowan for a short game, mm-hmm. and uh, we all know, we all know what a, a specialist he is when it comes to the short game and you know, Woodlands. I mean, I suppose it all um, you could see the results of that in that uh, pitch shot he had to play on seventeen oh, across the corner. I mean, that's one of the purest pitches you'll ever see. Yeah, and I think once. I, you know, I was always nervous. I mean, when Brook, Brooks was charging early on, I was absolutely crapping myself. I was, I was resisting the temptation to go on to look at what the um, delay was at that stage mm. because I, I knew, I knew my value had gone when Brooks was charging hard. And at one stage, Brooks, um, he went, he, he became favourite. He was yeah. one back. He, he was favourite for the tournament, and then I was, it was really squeaky bum time. Um, but, but. You know, there was just a few key moments. Um, I guess the 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 tee shot and then the approach shot on fourteen. That three woods, you know, two sixty three uphill. Oh, just like, nailed it. Absolutely, thing. what a shot! Yeah. And then obviously has to make birdie from there. Otherwise, what's the value in it? And drops it in. And uh, yeah, he was pretty solid. You know, pretty solid come down stretch. You know, there's going to be a couple of squirrely shots, but you know that one on seventeen, he just fanned it right but you know what a recovery and then I started feeling a bit more confident because I knew he could just play 18 very smart yeah um, you can be conservative with it can you I, 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 think, I think you're right 17 is in in the past um, it, that could have been the pivotal hole where things have gone wrong because he did leave himself a brutal shot there didn't he but uh, as you say that yeah, yeah. his, little, his little pitch um, pitch over the green um, to what about three feet or so Perfect. And um, you're talking about his short game. He led the field for scrambling last week, which for Gary Woodland is a huge coup. He was second last for scrambling at Muirfield Village, and then he's top at scrambling at the US Open two weeks later. Mm. Really good Amazing. stuff. Amazing. Pebble Beach. This, um, this was it. I mean, I think here you go. Driving distances for the uh, top five. He was fifth. Brooks Kepka tied. Driving distance. John Rahm's 23rd, Justin Rose 32nd, and Xander Schauffele was 4th for driving distance. And Woodland and Kepka were tied 2nd for total driving, and Xander was 8th for total driving. The only guy that got in there who was a short hitter and uh, you know played the game in terms of fairways and greens from a distance was Paul's tip. Was it two fifty to one last two two hundred and fifty to one on yeah, Ches Reeve? Yeah, Ches Reeve. Yeah, yeah. Finished in a full each way place. That's the point, isn't it? You know, Gary with um, Barry, <laughs> Gary with Barry. You had uh, you had Ches with Paul, and then I chipped in with a couple of each way returns as well on Sh- on Shafeli, and with Adam Scott. So all in all, we we covered a lot of uh, a lot of good golfers and mm. a lot of. Uh, the leaderboard last week between the three of us. It was a good effort. We well, had Stenson as well, Barry, didn't you? From from memory, yeah, he squeaked to full place, didn't he? Uh, well, yeah, the two thirds, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, two thirds. So yeah, not not bad. And I uh, I did follow Revi as well, Paul. So uh, nice one for that. That was uh, an ex an extra little booster. Fantastic. This um, yeah, an outstanding week for you and um, revenue wise, full stop. So. So if no, I'm looking really at good. this right, Woodland, Kepka, Ram, Reeve and Rose all had top five finishes at Pebble Beach at the AT&T National. Yeah. yeah Kepka might uh, have had a sixth, something like that. It was top uh, five. Eighth, six. I think it was, eighth. yeah. It was, eighth was his one and only start. But yes, his that, that uh, Pebble Beach um, history held up. And even when you dug down deeper and the, the analysis that you'd produced pre the event, which, which stuck Gary Woodland at the top in terms of his rounds at Pebble Beach in isolation. Yeah. Um, he was there. Uh, Xander was there, even though having some limited um, success and that's been kind at uh, Pebble Beach over the years, but clearly he had a better individual record at Pebble Beach course itself. Yeah. Um, Kepka, as you say, had finished eighth there. There's the um, yeah. The other one that caught my eye was Chess and Hadley. Who who'd have thought Chess and Hadley in the top ten of a major? But then you look mm. at Hadley. I think he had two top tens on his first two ever appearances at the AT and T National. Yeah. So yeah, you know, the, I was getting a lot of feedback. It was very very split around those average score numbers. A lot of people were going, "Oh, this is fantastic! What a brilliant piece of analysis!" And then you're getting a lot of people going. Yeah, but it won't count at the US Open. It's all they're all going to shoot nine, you know, ninety-five and all this, and it won't make any difference. It's all going to come down. So clearly, actually, a couple of notes for the next US Open at Pebble, which I think is twenty twenty-eight or something. I don't know if I'll still be alive, but I'll make a mental note of it. Someone with a bit of distance <laughs> and some a top-quality ball striker who's actually got those recent finishes on the golf course. Although yeah. I'll still put, I'll be putting Xander up at two to one on or something by that stage. <laughs> when he's world number one, and or Pat, Patrick Cantley at evens, <laughs> that seems to be the vogue these days. Mm. So, final congratulations, Barry. That is absolutely brilliant that you got yeah, such a cracking well result. Well played, man. Thank you very much. Really good. And well played to all of us. I think we had a very good week at the US mm. Open. But that's yeah. the thing with the golf betting world, isn't it? It just moves on week to week. You have the mon- the Sunday night and the Monday to feel good about it, and then you've just got to get on the road again because there's always another tournament. And that's what we've got this week. Mm. Now, I'm just going to throw in here at this point, uh, I think I'm going to add this to the, to the content we do every week, just a bookmaker of the week kind of angle. And we've been talking about bookmakers a little bit, you know, each way places and Paddy Power leading the way on that. Um, just for this week, it became obvious, Paul, looking at your tips, and I did the golf betting show this morning, and four of the top ten in the predictor model were best priced with one particular bookmaker, and I see that mm-hmm. you've gone with one particular bookmaker. I think it's on three of your five tips. Yeah. And that bookmaker is Betfred, who um, have definitely upped their game recently in terms of golf betting. I know they went eight places each way at the US Open last week for the first time in their history, eight places at a major. And traditionally now on the PG or P- traditionally recently on the PGA Tour, they've been going seven places each way of fifty odds um, across all of the full field events on the PGA Tour. And I know they are highly, highly competitive this week on odds. And and we've been doing some content recently, haven't we, for Golf Betting System, where we say 
until Betfred come out on a Monday, you don't know who's going to be market leading price because they've got an odds compiler at Betfred that really can throw some outrageously good odds out there. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking at your tips. They've gone seven places each way of 50 odds as well on the European Tour this week. So that's the first time I've seen that. They've actually gone seven places each way on both PGA and European Tour. And you've got three of five with them on best price. So I just want to point out, point out to listeners, uh, I'll put a link in the description box. We've got a, um, a golf bets page at Golf Betting System that has all of the latest bookmaker promotions. If you're in the United Kingdom... And uh, you haven't got a Betfred account. I think Paul and I would both uh, put on record that they're probably a good bookmaker to have on board at the moment, Betfred, because they do have some outlandish prices on a Monday. And uh, they are offering these extended places now week in, week out. So I've put a link through to their new customer offer, which is a bet 10, get £30 in free bets, plus 30 free spins which is available via Golf Betting System. Of course, key terms are available on our website. So that's just a bookmaker of the week. We'll put Betfred up there this week. It will vary, of course, by podcast, just depending on who's giving the best value across the particular tournaments that we're talking about. Yeah, it's, I, I, I've got to say, they have upped their game. And they you're have. right, there's, um, there's a number of, bookmakers that effectively just uh, it's just a copy and paste job on a Monday and one of the key or a couple of the key uh, firms will come up and have an opinion on the uh, mm. on the markets and then uh, then you just see a, a barrage of uh, identical or near identical prices but Fred tends to be a bit later on a Friday on they a Monday um, but uh, but the price has been has been good and the terms have been good so yeah you, you can't do anything but applaud what they what they've been doing recently so good stuff for early bird punters it seems to be on a monday now that william hill come out first bet 365 are very very close they're either first or second bet fred are at the end of the curve it has to be said and you're kind of sitting there i was there yesterday afternoon going come on bet fred i want to see your prices because all of the other firms have come out because you just simply do not know who uh, until bet fred come out that they might trump the lot and they may give you the best odds of everybody that particular week. So they're worth waiting for, I think. And yeah, as you said, some of their odds this week have been particularly eye-catching. Now, we haven't had the European Tour action for a number of weeks. So why don't we crack on, Paul, and you talk us through a very solid European Tour event that's been traditionally in place on the on the schedule for a long time now, the BMW International Open, which has got a, a decent field, a very decent field this week. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is a strong event. And as you say, the the way that the scheduling works now with the European Tour, um, they're kind of taking the foot off the gas around the majors, which um, is... In, in one way, is positive because players aren't just skipping the, or the big players aren't just skipping these events to, uh, to to make way for the majors and the, and the quality of the fields disappeared um, or disappears. So um, it does make for a bit of a stop-start season on the European Tour up until this point. But from now onwards, um, it really picks up, and of course we've got the uh, uh, the different linksy events um, in Ireland and Scotland to enjoy before we get the Open Championship in um, a month's time, um, and then. At the back end of the year, when the uh, the PGA Tour takes a breather, given its new schedule, we'll we'll really kick into some of the big 
uh, European tour events that will take precedence over that period of time. But yeah, for this week, we have got a decent field. Um, we go back to the Golf Club München Eichenried. Um, is my very poor German pronunciation, which no doubt several picked me up on on Twitter this week. So uh, yeah. looking forward to that, Seb. Yeah. Um, so this is in Munich. Um, it's uh, yeah, do be careful when you're looking at the stats for this because this has um, alternated between Munich and Köln over the last few years. So in 2012, 2014, 2016, it's a different um, venue. So bear that in mind in this week's data. Um, one of the things you have to consider, I guess, when you get these post-major events is what's going to happen to the players or how the players are going to fare who are coming directly over from from Pebble Beach. And I guess in the past, the US Open's been such a brutal test that you kind of look at these players coming over, particularly the ones who've been in you know any any kind of contention and it's difficult to, uh, to to really fancy them. A bit different last week, wasn't it? Because the Pebble, Pebble Beach US Open wasn't anywhere near as tough as we perhaps would have expected, um, probably due to the 400,000 gallons of water they were putting on the, uh, on the course. On the it couldn't have been basis. that tough. Gary Woodland won. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, little softer and greener than perhaps we expected, but... Um, but yeah, I've got this dilemma. I mean, nine of the players that are here this week made the cut. There were another eight who didn't make the cut. Um, top of those who were, well, I won't say in contention, but best performers were Matt Wallace and Matt Fitzpatrick, who both finished in a tie for 12th um, and both featured towards the very top of the market, which I'll go through in a second. Mm. And it's worth, worth considering, though, um, if you go back in time, uh, Ernie Els was fourth at Merion back in 2013, and then he won here on this track um, the week after. Uh, Stenson, uh, in 2015, he was top 30 at Chambers Bay and finished runner-up here again in Munich in 2015. In fact, the year after, he withdrew at Oakmont after after a nightmare first 18 holes and then went and won in, in Köln in uh, 2016. Um, so I wouldn't just disregard players who were playing the US Open last week just out of principle because you know you're thinking well they're going to be tired, jet lag, you know, complete change in uh, conditions, complete change in um, style of course, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it's it is worth considering those players and um, before you move on. Not that I've picked any of them, I must say, and I'll caveat that now, but so that's been more down to how I see the course and the event playing out as opposed to any deliberate reason to uh, to exclude the players. Um, in terms of the market, Matt Wallace heads it. Um, there's a little bit of 12 to 1 available, but generally is 10 to 1. Uh, Sergio Garcia second, uh, again, a little bit of 14 to 1, but generally 12 to 1. Matt Fitzpatrick, 14s. Um, then you've got the likes of Martin Keimer, 16 to 1. Keimer's been showing a little bit of a, a resurgence of late. Um, it'd be interesting to follow his um, career again from this point onwards if he continues to move in a, an upwardly mobile direction. Uh, Rafa Cabrera, Bella 25s. A little bit of 25s available for Yost Lauten as well. And then you're into the likes of Jordan Smith, Thomas Detry, Julian Suri, 
all around the 28 to 1 mark. Alex Noren, who you pointed out to me earlier, Steve, back over on the European tour. Yeah. It's not, not been a good season for Alex, has it? He's going to struggle to make the top 125 playoffs. It may be him coming back to Europe. Could have been pre When's the Nordia Masters? Is that any time soon? Or where's that in the Yeah, game? they've they've scheduled it all, all around. It's not until after the Open now. But, uh, but yeah, mm. you... Given that it's over now, and then you've got the uh, the events in the lead up to the to the Open Championship, you you can't really see him disappearing back stateside. No, for, for the, would the suggest he's given the PGA Tour a miss for the rest of the year potentially, mm. and he's just going to concentrate on the European Tour to right the right the ship in terms of his official World Golf ranking, which is plummeting. Yeah, yeah, he struggled, doesn't he? Yeah, they still say it's crazy. I heard a thing the other day about the fact that Eric, you know, that he's still. There with VJ Singh on the driving on the range, pretty much for like eight nine hours a day, trying to work to find what's missing. One of the hardest workers, Alex Noren, on his game, just cons- consistently practicing and practicing. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it just hasn't it hasn't come together yet. Perhaps he needs to relax a little bit and just play golf rather than getting too technical with it. Mm. It's a shame because he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a really strong player and a really good winner when he um, when he gets into that uh, into that top gear. I still think a lot of the trouble he's got on the PGA Tour is there's so many Bermuda grass tournaments out there now. Mm. And yeah, we know, and we've always said, it's bent grass and bent grass with Poana. They're, those are the greens that he thrives on. He's very bent positive. That's, yeah. that's for facts, and you can look through his putting performances and his general performances on bent grass green uh, courses over on the on the European Tour, and it mm. stands out, sticks out like a sore thumb. So yeah, he's, perhaps it's just not a, not a great fit for him over on the uh, on the PJ Tour, no. and perhaps he just you know, he'll adapt and uh, have another go at it potentially. Um, other players and notes before I move on: Bert Viesberger, um, who won recently, Eric Van Rooyen, who um, did pop up a little bit at the US Open for for small patches, Chilborn Olsen, and Pablo Larathabel, who has won twice on this track over the years, um, although he withdrew from his last event with a recurrence of a wrist injury. So um, that is worth bearing in mind, although he said quite openly on Twitter that he's, um, he's over that now, so... Remains to be seen, I guess. Can you explain to me why Johnny Vegas is playing on the European Tour this week? No. Nope. Okay, moving on. <laughs> no, he, he is a, he's an eye catcher, isn't he? Because he's one of these players that, again, we'd seen playing well probably a month, six weeks ago over on the PGA Tour, then dropped off a little bit. But if you fancy a little bit of Johnny Vegas, and given that uh, Andres Romero won the last renewal held on this track. And um, as kind of one of these um, interlopers who came over to, uh, to to play on the on the European tour, um, there's, there's potential potentially a case for that there, isn't there? Fifty five to one, if you fancy a bit of Johnny Vegas, mm. which could mm. prove to be a strong price. We shall see. It is a good um, field, very very good. Field. Yeah, it's good field. Yeah, it's a good field, and a lot um, of depth I think that's to rep- it. That's representative of the price because once you go past that, you're getting some good value players in the 50 to 100 to 1 bracket and beyond. So yeah. there is an interesting field to try and take apart this week. Uh, the track is a 7,235 yard par 72. I'd class it as a scoreable risk reward type track. A bit of water in play, generally quite exposed. Um, it's been 
renovated since the last time we were here in 2017. All of the greens have been relayed. There have been some new undulations put into the greens, but generally the change has been to remove what were pretty tired and slow bent power surfaces. I mean, they used to run around a nine and a half on the stimp, which is particularly slow, particularly for the players coming over who had been playing on a faster and firmer uh, US Open test. It was a stark difference. And they've relayed them with pure bent grass greens. And they haven't disclosed what the new stint will be but I'm sure it'll be far more than 9.5 I'm guessing it'll be around about 11 probably a little bit more um, if the conditions allow it to be so um, we should be expecting a decent scoring event um, again if conditions allow and um, one that will um, potentially work well for players who uh, like decent putting surfaces and bent grass green putting surfaces in particular um, we'll talk about scoring going back to, well, let's go all the way back to 2008. Um, it's been played here before that, but just to put, give you a flavour, all of the winning scores held on this track since then have been between 15 under and 22 under during that period of time. So uh, Martin Keimer in 2008, 15, uh, Nick Doherty, Nick Doherty rather, 22 under, Horsey at 18, Pablo Rathbell with his first win, 16, Ernie Els, 18 under. Rafa Bell with his second win, 17 under, and the same score, 17 under par for Andres Romero, who was a shock 300 to 1 winner two years ago, completely left field. I went back and reviewed my initial analysis for this um, that I did in 2017 as part of my prep for this, and Andres Romero wasn't even in the field when I did my first um, cut of the data. That's um, really so, annoying. Yeah, and not that I'd have picked him anyway, I don't think, because he hadn't made a cut that entire calendar year prior to coming here and winning. So if you managed to pluck him out at 300 to 1 two years ago, then please send me your um, method of madness or your crystal ball so I can have a go on that. Um, but there are some diverse names we talked about there. I mean, some of the players um, triumphed here due to high greens regulation, and Kaima did that. Uh, Pablo, in his first win, was very high um, in GIR. Ernie Els hit nearly 90% of greens and regulation on his way to his win. Whereas the likes of the, uh, Doherty, uh, Horsey, Pablo, in his second win, um, were more down to their short game and, in particular, putting. And I think that's kind of the flavour that I've gone with here for this week because I think there are two very different ways to attack this um, as is often the case with these risk reward kind of tracks you know a player who can go out and play a low bogey high GR uh, game and make sufficient putts can triumph or someone who is very aggressive who can take on the drivable par fours of which there are two um, with, t with the T positions that they can tweak around with and also the four par fours, uh, par fives rather, which are all very much um, attackable. Um, so you can get players who are um, very good in terms of their putting um, and in terms of their aggression who can also feature. The other point to note here um, is that the weather forecast right now suggests that from Thursday onwards, there could be pretty severe thunderstorms. So Thursday, there's thunderstorms, Friday, thunderstorms, Saturday, thunderstorms. Mm -hmm. Now, the lead up to the event has been warm and uh, continental Europe's been warm. It's been up to kind of the, the mid 80s over there, sunny. So you'd expect, particularly with new firm uh, bent grass putting surfaces, that the greens would have been particularly firm. But if it gets a deluge over the course of those four days, not only is it going to be uh, delayed while the thunderstorms are actually happening, but also the, the 
course is going to get um, a proper dousing if the forecast is right. So I've been quite, I, I guess I've, I've covered both bases with this because you can always look at a weather forecast and it can be completely wrong. So if they actually miss all of, miss all of the rain, and they get nothing. It's, it's going to be firm. And if they if they get a lot of uh, rain, it's going to be particularly soft. So I think you you need to kind of hedge your bets in that respect. And that's how I've played this week personally. Um, I've gone for a couple of players who are GIR merchants. I've gone for a couple of players who I'd classify as uh, very strong putters. And I've gone for a bit of a... Um, I won't say left field because he's not left field. I've gone for a bit of a flyer on a player who's not been at the best of his form, but if conditions do allow, could be an absolute gem in this field, I think. Um, so going through the, uh, the GIR players first, I've gone for Jordan Smith at the top of the market. Um, again, I, I've mentioned it a second ago. If you look at Keimer when he won in 2008, he hit, he hit 86.1% of Green's regulation. He was first on that count. Larathabell Bell in 2011... 84.7, he was second. Ernie Els in 2013, 88.9% in Green's regulation, he was first yeah. on that particular score. Now, of course, they've started to use the strokes gain numbers now in um, in the European Tour in, in, in patches, I guess. Um, it's uh, for comparison's sake, if you look for players who have comparable Green's and regulation stats, um, then the one that really stands out to me is Jordan Smith. And going back through some of his recent performances, he's been pounding mm. greens for fun. Saudi was first, Qatar was sixth, Malaysia third, Morocco sixth, China was first. Uh, Hillside, he for the British Masters, he was second for greens and regulation. Some really strong GIR numbers. I think that's brought, it's, it's kind of translated into his outright performances as well. Because um, someone like Smith... He can pound the greens, but if he's not making putts, it's pretty much academic. But he's also been starting to to step up his putting game. And for those most recent efforts, he's been putting in the 1.7s in terms of a putts per GIR stat. So um, that's translated into some season finishes. 7th, 14th, 5th and 6th were four of his last five efforts in terms of overall finishes. Um, he missed the cut in Maiden Denmark in his last start, which was his first missed cut for... Well, going all the way back to the PGA Championship the last year. So it's a long old stretch of consistency as well. So I think if it's going to be lending itself to a GIR type person, GIR type merchant, then Smith is your man here. He was 44th on debut in 2017, 18th at the halfway point. And interestingly, he was hitting less than two thirds of greens at that point, And he's hitting you know, nigh on 90%, 80 to 90% most weeks at the moment. So stark difference in the way that he's striking his, his irons at the moment. Second for bogey avoidance, which again could be a key way to play this particular track. And he also won in Germany at the Porsche European Open back in 2017. So he's got a little bit of local form as well to... Uh, to grab onto. So yeah, I do have the top players. Um, he's the one that stuck out to me most, I think. I, I did struggle a little bit with the likes of um, Wallace um, at the top of the market. And we saw Wallace when he was defending the Denmark um, a few weeks ago after the um, USPGA. And I think visibly he kind of ran out of steam and ran out of inclination to really give it everything, I think. Um, you know, I, He's moved up a level now, Matt Wallace. And I think he's... Um, you know, he's 
obliging with these appearances to defend his title, but I think if you if you really dug down to it, I think he'd prefer not to be playing this week. No, I would have thought his heart it. his heart's probably in America now, isn't it? He realises yeah. he can compete on the biggest stage on the PGA Tour and the majors. Yeah. I think it needs, you know, something like Wentworth, I can see Wallace, you know, clearly being completely 100%, 110% up for that. But some of these European tour tournaments now, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure. No, no, that's exactly where I, I, I sit with it. And I'm looking at a price of 10 to 1. As, as much as I like Matt Wallace, as much as I um, think he's a, you know, an uber talented player who's going to go, you know, go places, I think this just won't work from this week. I think he'll, I think he'll mentally and physically run out of steam again. He was twelfth last week, and that was, you know, that was another strong finish without really being in contention. But um, it's, a, I, I think it's just a different game to come back and and, and play on the European Tour now. I think he's, I think he's moved on from that personally. Mm. Um, another player who fits the same kind of mould is Roman Langasque, the French Frenchman, um, and he's another one who absolutely pounds greens in regulation when he's on his game. Um, he's 34th of greens in regulation for the season, but that includes some, some missed cuts, and he does... Um, he's still a little bit inconsistent, I guess. He's missed two of his last three cuts, but before that, he was first for GIR in Kenya, where he was sixth overall. He was second for greens hit in China, where he was fifth overall, and he was fifth for Greens and Regulation, Denmark, who's third overall. So he's finished top six in three of his last six outings. And um, he's getting closer and closer. He finished second in the uh, the South African Open earlier in the wraparound season as well. And um, 31st here when he was in on his debut in 2017. Um, and it's interesting to know that week that um, he'd missed seven cuts on the trot prior to coming here. So he showed a marked improvement. Um, on his effort that was here back in 2017 and he's a different player now he's moved on massively since that point um, and I think he's got the right kind of game and skill set to um, to contend for this kind of a uh, this kind of uh, an event personally and um, three more and I've moved from uh, ball strikers or greens in regulation merchants to putters for the next two Chris Pays is the first one um, and he picked up the 36-hole lead for us um, to return that 40-to-1 winner a couple of weeks back before the uh, before the US Open. And, of course, he didn't go on to win the tournament. So, from his perspective, it's still not another trophy on the mantelpiece. It's just a nice um, you know, a, a nice thing to have done, to have shot 65-65, to, to have sat, uh, sat top of the 36-hole stroke play leaderboard. Of course, from a betting perspective, it's great if you bet on that market, but uh, it doesn't produce any... Uh, it doesn't produce another win for him, so he's still got to uh, still got to push forward. He was fourth at the maiden Denmark before that. And we know from looking at him in the past, he's the kind of player who can hold his form um, when he finds it. He finished well, he won the BMW South African Open at the start of 2018, and then he finished fifth on his two next starts in the Middle East. So, um, him continuing a bit of form for this week coming wouldn't be a surprise at all. He was third here in 2015. Um, and that was when he was playing some consistent golf without being anywhere near as in the contending form as it is at the moment. And he was second going into the final day that that year, um, had a real chance of winning. But he was playing alongside James Morrison, who had an absolute stinker. He shot five over, didn't make a birdie all day. And um, I think Paisley did well to to get himself round in one under with, um, with his playing partner having such a nightmare. Um, he led the putt in that week. And again, 
new pure bent grass green pattern surfaces should be absolutely up his alley. Um, and the other one who's really caught the eye recently, I'm sure you guys have seen a little bit of him on the European Tour coverage, is this Scott Robert McIntyre. Yeah, very impressive. Um, yeah, he looks he looks the real deal, doesn't he? Mm. He's, um, you know, we're taking a bit of a flyer with him because he's making his debut. He hasn't played in Germany professionally before. He's making his debut here. Um, only 47 pro starts, but he won on his fourth pro start back on the MENA Tour. Um, and that was the Sahara Kuwait Golf Championship. Um, only 22, but he's come through with a cracking um, amateur re- amateur record and um, came close again to winning last year. He lost in the playoff in the Challenge Tour. He lost in the playoff again on the China Tour. Um, he was second at the British Masters, second at the Made in Denmark, seventh after 36 holes on his last start, the Belgian knockout as well. What I really like about uh, McIntyre is that his putting is outstanding. He's finished first, fifth and first for putting over his last three starts. He also led the field for birdies at Hillside um, in 24. Only two players made more birdies than him at the Maiden Denmark, and he led the field with third, 14 birdies after the first 36 holes of the Belgian knockout as well. The guy makes birdies for fun, he makes putts for fun, and if this disc does get um, soft and plays towards the putters, then I think McIntyre can have another strong week here this week. Um, and my final player who is three figures and is one of my favourite players to back. And, you know, look down the list and and see one of your favourite players poking out at uh, 100 to 1 or more. Um, it's going to be pretty tempting. And that's Alex Levy. And he's, um, he finished fifth out in Saudi Arabia earlier this year, then hurt his back in Oman on his next start. And he's struggled since that point. Um, he's now playing pain-free, but since that point, he missed four cuts on the trot as he was getting himself back into back into full fitness. Um, 23rd last time out of the Belgian knockout. He was 17th after the stroke play, first two stroke play events. That's all positive stuff. Hit three-quarters of greens in regulation. Putted at sub 1.7, which is good for him. Um he was third here on this track in 2013, where he led going into the final day. And since then, he's won in Germany, he won the um, the Porsche European Open. Um, and then, and that was 2016. 2017, he was second to to Jordan Smith, um, lost out in that playoff to him, having missed that agonising three-footer to win the tournament the previous hole, which will haunt me forever. Yeah. But he has had a bit of redemption since that point. He won the Hassan uh, uh, Trophy last year. And the key with Levy is he absolutely loves soft no, receptive conditions and if that forecast is right if they do get three days of thunder they do get delays and don't forget he won two of his events won these massively rain shortened events he won in Portugal in in, uh, in two rounds he won one of his uh, one of that European Open actually the German event was in three rounds where both of them were absolutely mullered with the weather and um, so if we do get um, these kind of conditions that uh, have been forecast, then he could be right in his element. If, if it's if it's sopping wet for two of the three days and uh, it's just target golf, he will be absolutely licking his lips with this. So um, I got 110 to one earlier. It's starting to be nibbled away out. There's still some hundreds of one available for Alex Levy out there. Um, but he looks like a cracking bet to me at that kind of price. And then my five. That's where I've gone for this particular week. Anyone catch your eyes, guys? Who are you into, Barry, this week at the BMW? 
I haven't gone. <clears throat> I haven't had too much time to get uh, deep in my study, but a few that have kind of caught my eye so far, and just glancing past their stats are um, Thomas Detry. I feel like it's the kind of event that lends itself to somebody making that leap to get their win. Mm. Um, you know, like or one of the early wins in their career uh, with Larratt Bell winning, Doherty winning, and. He's uh, he's been playing very well, you know. Out of his last five events, he's a ninth, a fifteenth, a thirty-third, and a thirteenth. He has a second and an eighteenth here. He's had a nice little break uh, for two weeks. He'll be fresh. He'll be chomping at the bit. And uh, his just a look at his stats. He's where are we there? Uh, pretty solid for putting and um, makes a lot of birdies. Just getting on to this here. Long enough on the driving. And, you know, his, his GIR is not amazing. But uh, maybe he can pull it together this week. Uh, the soft conditions might help him catch a few more greens and let that putter work for him. Mm. Um, Matthias Schwab has been uh, going pretty nicely recently. Yeah. Yeah. He was another Post. one on the shortlist. Yeah. So, um where are we? Low bogey avoidance was one of the things that caught my eye. Could do it making a few more birdies, but scores pretty well on par fours and par fives. Could do it a little bit better in the par threes. Uh, I'm sure he's working on it. Um, the uh, He's got pretty high green and reg stats. He needs a good putter, though. His putting's not been great. So uh, I guess that's built into the price, but I can see him at 66 to 1. So. That's kind of nice, and um, yeah, he fin he's guess. finished um, seventh in Germany in the past as well. Not on this track, but um, he does have a bit of uh, German uh, history and you know semi-success to his name as well. He did catch my eye. I've got to say, Schwab, he's the kind of player that I think over the next uh, year or two we're going to see more and more of. And uh, well, to continue with the loyalty trends that I have from. Uh, from last week, having stuck with Gary for so long, I'm gonna take a little punt on Paul Dunn. So showed a bit of form there uh, a few weeks ago with a fourth place. Yeah. He has a thirteenth place here. Um, he just seems to be his stats aren't great, but that's kind of reflective of where his game has been. He's starting to, you know, without that performance there a few weeks ago, you know, coming back around. We know how hot he can get with the putter. Um, it's, it's just if the long game can give himself the chances. But again, I guess that's built into his price. And, um, you know, well, I suppose when you're kind of blindly loyal on some of these golfers, you just go for it anyway. So uh, I'll give, give him a whirl. I can, he can be found at up to 60 to 1. Yeah. Is, is, again, there's another one that I looked at. You know, I've backed him quite a lot, Paul Dunn, over the last six months or so. Um, and yeah, if, if, he, if he can hit enough greens then we know his putter is absolutely outstanding when he's on form so yeah I've, I don't tend to get him right Paul Dunn so perhaps uh, perhaps you've uh, got a better better feel of how and when he's going to perform but he was I listened to or read some of his tweets after the Maiden Denmark where he finished fourth and he was particularly uh, particularly positive about how things are progressing so I can't can't discount him whatsoever yeah, so that's those ones just kind of popped on a, uh, I suppose not a quick a quick enough scan. Yeah, so if I if any others come to mind, I'll tweet them out. Cool. I think from a from a GIR perspective, I think Jordan Smith is the perfect fit this week. It has to be said. Mm. 
He's been pounding those clubs. He has. Absolutely oh, pounding. He's a he's a podcast favourite, isn't he? And we keep an eye on his statistics, and it's just it's incessant, really, what he does. And I think this yeah. co- this course is going to be perfect for him, absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah, just needs to just needs to putt just well enough to uh, to get himself in the mix. But that that has been moving forward. So if he's sub yeah. one point seven five, that does the job, does it? If he can be, I think so. Yeah, that one point seven one point seven five area. I think I think if he hits you know the eighty five ninety percent of greens in that kind of bracket and uh, puts at once one point seven two that that kind of number um, he's going to be very very close to winning the golf tournament yeah and uh, that's that's got to be his target and he's not been a million miles off that for for the last three months or so so yeah it could all fall into place for him particularly with a bit of German um, success under his belt in the past as well. And we had quite an emotional win last week at the US Open, and that that wasn't the masses of euros that were flying over the Irish Sea into Barry's account, but the fact that Gary Woodland actually won a major, a very nice guy, a well-respected golfer, he's just a nice chap. I was watching the coverage uh, sat on Sunday uh, sort of tea time, and they were showing all these guys arriving at the course. And Gary arrives, carrying his own clubs, and he's just giving everyone a thumbs up and people are going, oh, good luck, Gary. You just tell with a guy, he's a, just a great chap. He's a, he's a nice guy, Gary Woodland. Yeah, yeah, he's I think well if Martin Keimer was to end this wind drought in Germany this week, I think that would be just as emotional because we mm. know what Keimer has gone through. And I just think sometimes if you keep golf betting simple and you say, well, actually, Martin Keimer was winning for a huge period of time, the the Memorial Tournament in front of a stellar field in America a couple of weeks ago. And yes, in the final round, he had his stumbles, but he still finished in the top three. I just think if he brings that kind of golf to this tournament this week that we saw for the first uh, the first three rounds at Muirfield Village, he'll be a very, very difficult man to beat this week. Mm. So they're my two, nice and simple. Kaima, and I can't get away either from Jordan Smith. But yeah, yes, I would have preferred see. 20 to 1 about Kaima or something like that. Yeah, but you look yeah. back, I would rather be on Martin Kaima at 16 to 1 than Sergio Garcia at 8 to 1, which I'm seeing with one firm this week. <laughs> <laughs> that is particularly short, isn't it? That is particularly short. I think Sergio was bashing doors and doing whatever when he missed a three-footer for, for, for par on the 18th on Thursday at Pebble. I think yeah. he's still got some serious anger issues going on, Sergio. Yeah, something's not quite right, is it? Yeah. Right, the Travellers' Championship. Well, again, this is very much like um, the memorial for me. It's probably equal in terms of on a domestic level on the PGO Tour tournaments I really look forward to Um, a very short 6,800 yard par 70 Uh, they play this in Hartford Connecticut which is I actually had you know how anal I am I actually had a look on Google Maps and it's a one hour and 58 minute drive from central Manhattan so um, close to New York um Bent grass mixed in with Poana greens. Um, and it's a typical American Parkland course, which is all about second shot and all about risk and reward. 
And uh, we scored last year with Bubba Watson at 33-1. to And it's just the kind of tournament. Travellers, you know, a huge brand in America, huge brand globally. They put a lot of money into this tournament. They attract an excellent field every year, especially as it's the week after the US Open. And if you bear that in mind, to actually pull in the calibre of players that they do. You know, this year we're looking at Kepka, We're looking at Cantley, Spieth. Thomas, Casey, Jason Day, Francesco Molinari, DeChambeau, Fleetwood, Oosthausen, Bubba Watson, Leishman. Yeah, it's a very, very good field. Tony Finau, with Phil Mickelson's in there. So to pull that level of field together the week after a US Open means that uh, it's clearly a well-respected and well-regarded tournament. And they get masses and masses of people watching this on, on the actual property. It's one of those tournaments as well. It's similar in a way, Paul, to your tournament. Any kind of game shape can actually win this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a few years ago, Jordan. Winners, yeah. yeah, a few years ago, Jordan Spieth barely hit a green in regulation. He was a, you know, it was a Seve type performance around and on the greens, and he held off Daniel Berger in a playoff. And I remember him winning that with a ridiculous bunker shot in the playoff that he held out on. And then you look at someone like Bubba winning it, and Bubba's pounding 80% GIR. Um, he's not putting brilliantly, but he's getting the ball so close, and he can read some of the green so well, because he's played so many times here, that he's making those important putts for birdie and eagle when he needs to. And we saw Paul Casey crumble like a pack of cards last year when Bubba was uh, chasing him down in the final round. But it's that kind of course where, yes, GIR grind, you know, GIR um, players can absolutely keep the keep the ball striking at a very high level and win. But also, if you're in, if it's just your week and you're hitting enough greens and the putter is red hot and you're scrambling like a dervish, you can also win around here. One thing I will point out about this tournament: it seems to me that you don't want to be in the lead coming into the final round. So. For guys out there that like a lay bet or um, they like to bet in play, um, there could be some real value out there across Sunday evening into uh, Saturday evening into Sunday and into, into the actual play itself. Because this the one thing... where this oh. the one where Kevin Strillman won uh, shot about mm. eight birdies on the trot or something yeah, yeah, to yeah. win. Yeah, you know what Strillman's like. He's putting at two putts per green for fifty four holes, and all of a sudden he makes a putt and he can't miss. Mm. So, I mean, Bubba last year was six back behind Paul Casey. Yes, Jordan Spieth, he always blows every trend, doesn't he? He was one ahead. But Knox, three back. Bubba was trailing in 2015. Strillman was four back. Mark Leishman, when he won here in 2012, was six back. And Bubba Watson in 2010, when he won his first PGA Tour victory, Leishman's as well, he was six back. So you can get guys just on a hot Sunday that come from nowhere and steal this. Mm. So that's worth bearing in mind, especially you know if you're a layer and you're out there and you want to oh, have a bet in play at a value price. I think that's something to really keep an eye on. Just to also throw this in the mix, last year Bubba Watson was 77th after round one. And then he shot a crazy score in round two. He was eighth and sixth as it comes. Um Kevin Strillman was 61st after round one. You don't have to have a fantastic score on the opening day to win this. So that's also worth bearing in mind. 
it's one of those tournaments where I think you could throw a lot of mud at it and some of it hopefully sticks. I don't think there's any real magic um, view on it that statistically jumps out at you. Um, from a traditional statistic... Did you see some of the tweets I was getting last week about you guys are quoting GIR, you're so out of date? I thought that was quite amusing. Um, we're so out of date over here in Europe. We're, we're way behind the curve. But if you're looking at traditional stats, putting average over the last nine winners, uh, the average is sixth. So sixth in the field, and the rest of it's all a mishmash. It really is. Um, if you're looking at it from a strokes gained perspective, yes, we do use strokes gained over here in Europe. Um, strokes gained approach ninth. This is over the last three winners. Uh, so Knox, Spieth, Watson. Strokes gained, grained, uh, Tita Green, third. Strokes gained putting, 24th. So so you've got to be good in terms of putting average, but you've, in terms of you know length of putts, it feels to me, and watching Bubba closely last year, he was making those 8, 10, 12 footers that, you know, for birdie at the, at the right times. Yeah. So it isn't yeah. an out-and-out putting contest, but if you can manage your green, be that, I don't know, be that you're missing greens, but you're scrambling and putting well, or you literally are methodical with your GIR, and it's green after green after green. Um either kind of player can really get in the mix here. Uh, I don't think driving accuracy tends to be an issue. It's effectively a second-shot wedge fest. Because at 6,800 yards, pretty much everyone's banging in short irons and wedges to all of these pins. And the real battle, the the real um, battleground is par fours on this golf course because clearly it's only got two par fives. And the winner tends to be the guy that plays the par fours the best across the full week. So if you can get some data out there about who's been crushing par fours of late and who's done done well on the PGA Tour this season on par fours, I don't think that's a bad angle. Last year, for example, Bubba Watson and Paul Casey, who finished in the tie for second, were both 11 under on the par fours and that was the best of the week. And that goes back to all of the winners, back to Chris, uh, back to 2013, when Ken Duke had the, oh, had the audacity to be second for par four scoring that week. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it, really. For me, it's the kind of tournament where you go for a little bit of value up top, and that probably isn't Brooks Kepka or Patrick Cantlay this week. Ten to one on Cantlay. We talked about his prize last oh, week. Oh well, uh, I've got no doubt. I remember Justin Rose going on a mid-season tear, and he won. Um, he won the Memorial Tournament. He came here. He had the fifty-four hole lead. Twenty ten. This was fifty-four hole lead. Didn't win this, and then he went to Tigers Tournament and won that. It does happen, but I can assure you that at that point, Justin Rose wasn't ten to one. No, you used to get some value prices back in those days. Um, so, if I'm looking at the top of the market and I'm looking at Kepka, Cantlay, Spieth, here's a question for you. You watched a lot of the coverage last week, Barry. Do you think there is an issue between Grella and Spieth in Team Spieth at the moment? Because there was a lot of Twitter chat last week about the way that Spieth and Grella are communicating with each other on the golf course. 
those yeah those were interesting exchanges um i i if you know i don't think there's a it doesn't see i don't think there's a problem it felt to me that like speed was just needing to vent and uh greller was the punch bag for it yeah, he always is um, isn't he well yeah i i guess if i guess if the uh venting state you know becomes consistent at that level across uh, an extended period of time mm-hmm. that might create an issue um if it's an isolated one or two things um yeah i mean i i guess the uh it's it's just it is what it is you know speed's frustrated wants to play well and um the, he has a way to blame somebody else but himself to try to help his confidence. Because there were there uh, there are elements yeah. of the crowd from Friday onwards, after it was broadcast on Fox, some of the stuff that was Jordan was saying that were actually che- cheering on Mark uh, Grella throughout the rest of the tournament. <laughs> You're the best caddy, <laughs> Grella. Keep going, Grella. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I can't be backing Jordan Spieth if I'm if I'm seeing potential issues like that. And we just know that his GIR numbers at the moment. Yes, you could do this. Yeah. You know. He won this at ten to one, didn't he, a few years ago? Uh, but he, his tee to green game was so much better then than it is now. The one player that jumped out at me in that market, and I missed a little bit of twenty-two to one about him, but I managed to get twenties, and I think that he's far better than the price that's on on offer. Is Justin Thomas, who was second for tee to green, only behind Rory McIlroy in Canada. And he's the kind of player that when he finds the putter, and we know that he's a winning machine, he's going to pop at some point. And I just mm. thought 20 to 1 was a very good price, especially as I got eight places each way with Paddy Power. So yeah, I, it's, been, it's been a bit quiet, hasn't he? But um, you, you know there's that underlying. He's elite, there, isn't he? It? It's going to come. It's just a case of when. And I've always said to you, Paul, because I follow him, he's one of my favourite golfers. With Thomas, it's all about GIR. If he's hitting lots of greens, the rest falls into place. Yeah. And the last two outings, both in Canada and also last week at Pebble, where he missed the cut. Yes, he missed the cut. Don't mind that. Bubba missed the cut last year, as he always does at the US Open and came here and won this. In fact, having that rest and being able to just kind of focus on the Travellers is a good thing, I think. Um I don't think any player that's been in the top 10 at the US Open has won, has won this since J.J. Henry back in 2006. And the best position of a US Open the week before on players that have won this has been 14th in the week prior. So I'm staying away from anyone that was hot last week. Um, but yes, for me, Thomas, I just think he's going to click at some point. And he won down the road last year at Firestone on bent grass, Poana, mixed greens. He's actually, in my records, the second best performer on this kind of green type, only behind Bubba Watson across the last five years on the tour. So I I had to have Thomas. The other one, and this was where, you know, we we said at the top of the show, Paul Casey's record here is stellar. Um, If he's going to win another PGA Tour event, and bearing in mind he closed out very well at uh, the Valspar early in the year, these are the kind of events that Paul Casey could crack on and actually... Uh, win this week because he is playing some very good golf Um, he's putting well he's hitting plenty of greens but I think as Jeff Feinberg says I think Casey just isn't my brand so I can't go with Casey the one that I did go with in that mid-range I think there's potentially something in Bryson DeChambeau this week but I avoided DeChambeau I think Fleetwood 
this could be the kind of course that Fleetwood goes very, very well on. It's, you know, as we said, GIR, you know, GIR, monotonous player like that. Um, it just seems a little off to me. The one I did plump for wasn't Bubba Watson, Paul, who, no. who I'm sure you'll be putting up. <laughs> it's Mark Leishman, the Australian. 12th in the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, third, uh, top six or top five a few weeks ago at Memorial. Played okay last week. He, he had one good round on the... He went out with Tiger Woods in the final round and didn't do a great deal. But I never thought Pebble was his kind of... Or the US Open in general is his kind of tournament. I don't think that's his mentality. I think his mentality is more about go getting birdies. I think this yeah. course will suit him a lot more. One thing I should say, actually, it looks quite windy this week. Um... It looks like, I think, looking at the forecast, AM starters for first round leader on Thursday. It picks up quite significantly in the afternoon, the wind. Uh, we're talking about up to gusting 18 mile an hour Thursday afternoon as opposed to quite a comfortable morning. But then it seems to reverse on the Friday potentially where I'm seeing winds up to 30 miles an hour for afternoon starters. So that's an interesting dynamic. You don't often see 30-mile-an-hour winds out on a domestic PGA Tour event. And it's also gusting up to mid-20s, apparently, on Saturday. So, again, a player that can manage themselves in windy conditions, can putt well in the wind. I've got no issues with Leishman on any of those factors. Australian for Victoria, knows how to grind, likes um, bent grass in the in the in the mix he's also an excellent poana putter he's got a great record at Torrey Pine so uh, for me Leishman is another one that adds value and then I went for two at deeper prices and I, and I think here a look it's a Pete Dye design yeah he renovated this back in the early 80s so Pete Dye specialists is not a bad angle here it's not a bad angle at all and there's one player in this field who you could describe as a very strong die specialist, and that's Kevin Kisner. Mm. And I was surprised to see Kevin Kisner 80 to 1. Yeah. You know, Paul, that you know, his form on die designs, I mean, he's won the world match play and finished second in the world match play at Austin Country Club, hasn't he? Yeah. Great record at Sawgrass, plays very, very well at um, Harbour Town. Year in, year out with Scott Brown. They're right at the top of the leaderboard at TPC Louisiana. Now, yes, this isn't Bermuda grass. I'd prefer him on Bermuda, I guarantee you that. But if you look at Kisner, won a World Golf Championship match play this year, um, but he's still quite a considerable chunk outside of the automatic spots for the President's Cup. So a good, strong performance at a high... Um, uh, you know, a, a well-respected tournament this week. And also, we're looking at temperatures that are 28 up to 30 degrees, which is far more his. He loves warm. Coming from South Carolina, he likes a bit of warmth on his back. You know, yeah. t turning up in New York or turning up in Pebble where it's 15 degrees Celsius isn't Kevin Kisner. This week, I think the conditions, the course, the design will suit him down to the ground. Past 70, it's short. He's accurate with his approach shots, and he can be an absolutely killer putter. I think Kevin Kisner at eighty to one. I was genuinely surprised by that by that price. Yeah, and that's good. I, it was the first first price that caught my eye. I must say, and uh, as you say, his record on Pete Dye designs is very very strong. 
I've got a lot of respect, and I know that we all have, for Mike Miller on Twitter. Well worth a follow. And he's priced Kisner up at 50 to 1 for this. So to actually get 80 to 1 on Kisner is a complete and utter mismatch, in my opinion. And another, another player that Mike's priced up at 60 to 1 this week, who I managed to get at 80 to 1 this week, and there, there is bigger out there if you want more places, is CT Pan who is another that's going gunning for President's Cup qualification. He's just on the fringes of the top 50. Another big week this week, a win or a runner-up, something of that ilk could push Pan right into the top 50, could guarantee him a spot at the President's Cup. And we just know with Pan, um, he's really, really strong on short past 70s or uh, 71s in the case of Harbour Town where he won this year. I think this course will suit him down to the ground. He was eighth there in 2017 when he was on a roll of 11 missed cuts in 14. I think Pan could be a real, real danger this week. Very good in the wind as well, Pan. Yeah. He was a danger to my DraftKings teams last week. He did, you? Yeah, I put in the DraftKings um, podcast last week that I would pick Pan over Piercy, and then Piercy was four under through five holes, wasn't he, at the start? And I said to Paul, you can have that one. I think Pan shot eight over. But I don't, yeah, you can't write off a US Open and then say, well, a golfer's going to be, you know, he's, sometimes it just doesn't know, suit, does it? Didn't suit him. I think on a scorable par 70, um, he's very, very dangerous. Don't forget, first at Harbour Town and a couple of weeks ago, he was third at Colonial. So he's in good nick. And he actually lives in Washington State, so he's quite okay with Poana in the greens as well worthy of note that so those are my four what about you guys I'll let you go Barry Uh, I'll go and then you can go Um, Danny Lee has caught my eye Um, where are we too many tabs open here a third and a 15th here in his last two appearances. Um, been showing bits of form. Um, so he has he has my eye for uh, one of the spots. Um, Russell Henley's coming off a missed cut, but he has two very good performances here in the last three years, a sixth and an 11th. Yeah. And um, does particularly well about around Pete Dye courses. I think he was in, was he in the final group last year with Casey. I'm pretty certain he was. When Bubba were chasing them down. So, yeah, he, he does like it around here, Russell Henley. Man, I could find him at 100 to 1, 110 to 1 with Beth Fred seven places. So, mm. tempting. Uh, I, I'm, I, I, if the listeners haven't figured it out by now, the theme is bomb bets at the moment. <laughs> so, um, who else? Uh, Bud Cawley, Andrew Putnam have both kind of poked their heads up as well. I have to look a little bit deeper yeah. into them. And. Um, if I am investigating somebody short in the market, <clears throat> I might go. Uh, I might take a look at Jason Day. I'm not sure about uh, Thomas. Needs to get his his putting is still coming back. It could click this week. Um, and if it does, good luck to everybody else in the field. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's but, that's, know, that's that's the that's the a, angle I've taken, Barry. If that putter works, I think he'll win. It's a big if. It is, it is a big if, yeah. Um, 
But J- Jason Day is uh, showing up very well on uh, Pete Dye courses. So, um, yeah, if I dip if I dip into somebody's shorts, uh, it could be him. I might go for a couple of uh, cross Atlantic doubles this week just for fun. Just to see if we can go even bigger. Yeah, just get get that jackpot mark too. That's it, and then I can retire. <laughs> if you win the jackpot <laughs> until next, are you, are you until gonna, next week, are you going to leave the podcast, Barry? If if you make if you make seven numbers on that transatlantic <laughs> double, <laughs> are you going to leave us way behind? With uh, with Chase, if Jason Day is one of the winners in the transatlantic double, the stakes would have to be pretty mega. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so those are just a few that have kind of caught caught my attention. Um, we'll need to dig in a little bit deeper to to kind of fine tune the picks, and I might might actually hang on. Um, just see if there's any kind of bias in the draw. Yeah, especially with the wind, you know, the the, the winds there. So, it might be worthwhile holding till Wednesday. Um, yeah. just to yeah you, you might lose a bit on price that but. wins that wins come up actually overnight there wasn't in the forecast there was there was there was a little bit of bias but what actually has come up overnight is the fact that the friday afternoon is going to be worse than the thursday afternoon where actually mm. when i went to bed last night it was still looking quite ver- ver- so there's clearly some kind of front moving through but yes it could be one of those wind-affected tournaments that actually holding off just a little bit and trying to get some clarity on who might be on the best side of the draw could only help agree with What do you think to these kind of Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf types and Colin Morikawa, is it? There's a lot of these... A lot of these super stud, am- super stud college yeah. guys arriving on the scene, isn't it? J- is yeah. it Justin Sue's another one? They're not overawed, are they? You know, they're, they're performing, they're making cuts at majors, they're doing well in majors. Um, you know, it's going to be going to be some real competition as these guys push through and you if know, really a, make a stake in the main, main tool. If you're Jim Herman or Brian Stewart-like on the PGA Tour, you must know that your days are numbered with all these studs coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? You know, your, your journeyman PGA, you know, your Hudson Swaffords. You, you've got a real fight on your hand to keep your card, haven't you, know, in future years? Yeah. Competition's good, though, Steve. No, oh, it is. Keeps them on their toes. Well, Jim Furyk isn't playing this week, so who are you going for, Paul? Um, I, I, Kevin Kisner was was the first one I backed, and I think really? you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think he's. Um, I, I think at that price, with his peak die record, he um, he's got to be he's got to be supported. I think. Um, I haven't backed Bubba. Back Bubba. I haven't backed Bubba, um, but I think Bubba is an interesting point here because if you look through a lot of the players who play well here they have played well here a number of times it doesn't tend to be just a one-off and then disappear no. there's lots of players who have a good positive record here and then lots yeah. of players who have a really poor record there's, there's not a great deal in between um, and two of the two of the previous champions have caught my eye and um, both Russell Knox and Kevin Streelman have been playing some decent golf of late I mean Knox he was eighth at Colonial he's 65 that he finished with um, on the final round was the best round of the day for all players here. He, he won here in 2016 and playing some decent stuff recently. Um, 70 to 1 you can get on Russell Knox right now. Um, and Strillman again, he, he'll need that kind of streaky birdie um, 
run at some point during the four days to get himself in the mix. He's that kind of player. But again, you look at his recent form, sixth at Valero, sixth at Heritage, fourth Memorial, in between some less impressive performances. But those three top six finishes were pretty good. Mm. Um, and again, he's won the one in 2014. He's got three other top tens here over the years. So he clearly reacts on the track as well. Yeah. Um, and at much longer prices, and much more of a punt this one, um, is Brendan Steele who's got a good, consistent record here, six top 25 finishes from his eight starts. He's not been great playing um, playing that great, but again, he does have a decent Pete, Pete Dyer record. Um, what caught my eye with Steele is that his final round at Memorial um, was 68, and that was one of the best rounds on display that day as well. And he's, you know, overall, his form's been pretty poor, but he putted well that week, which isn't um, anything that you tend to see with uh, Brendan Steele. Uh, generally, when he plays well, he's he's good from tee to green. So, um, I think two hundred and fifty to one is a little bit available for him, and um, six thousand seven hundred on DraftKings as well. Um, for someone who gets on well with the track, who may have just flashed that tiny little bit of form, that tiny little um, indication that uh, that something positive may happen with his game, um, taking a chance on him at their price on offer, but. Um, that's just for small stakes for a little bit of a uh, little bit of fun on Brendan Steele. I've um, got a bomb. I've got a bomb for you. Go on. Played really well, and it was good to see. Um, a few weeks ago, he uh, he finished very very strongly in Canada at Hamilton, and he is currently three hundred and fifty to one, seven places each way with our friends at Betfred. Sangmu Bay. Sang Moon Bay. I would love to see him start finding some form and keep his mm. card. Sang Moon Bay. Yeah. And he just started to... He Clearly, the last two rounds in Canada, he found something. And if you if you think about Leishman, Bubba Watson, players of that ilk that have won here, even, even go back to Freddie Jacobson, they've all played well at Riviera Country Club, which makes a lot of sense. Jordan Spieth's got a top four there as well. And and Sang Moon Bay's played well around there in the past. JB Holmes, who came second here last year, won at Riviera this year, if you remember. Yeah. I can just see Sang Moon Bay. And if you said to me, what's his favourite putting? I'd say it would be bent grass mixed in with Poana. That's his favourite greens. I just think Bay at 350 to 1 might fire in. And I'm sure you can get a very nice top 10, top 20 price on him. Worst bets out there, I think. Sang Moon Bay. And, and it would be awesome to see him getting back in the mix on the PGA Tour. Yeah, that was very capable. You know, back in the day when he was producing the, uh, you know, the big finishes and the wins that he got on the European Tour. Oh, no, the PGA Tour, rather. It's, uh, yeah, it's been good to see him, uh, see him come back. The only other one, I think, that could really come and potentially win this would be a Siwoo Kim Lights kind of player. Yeah, he's just been off the ball a bit. He was Kim, third he? at Riviera this year, Kim. Mm. And you can't, I can't read him. <laughs> I can't no. read him at all. 125 to 1 out there for Siwoo. And if he wants to qualify for the President's Cup, he needs to keep, uh, he needs to throw in some results. Mm. Just to jump in here, do these guys really care that deeply about the President's Cup or do they care about winning? 
like I wonder, dude, like it's you know, qualifying for the Ryder Cup is a big deal, but I, I re I wonder do they really give much of a hoot about the President's Cup? They'd just be like, Oh, that'd be a nice thing for it to happen. And they look this year it's gonna be you know, it's gonna go into a great course, but I wonder if that's a motivation for them at all. Just to be very contrarian, Steve. I think for an international team, I doubt if it really registers on Adam Scott's um, radar or Louis Oosthuizen. But I think for a young up-and-coming player, I think someone like a Siwoo Kim or a CT Pan or Johnny Vegas, Danny Lee. I remember Danny Lee when he qualified for his uh, the Presidents Cup they played in Korea. It was a huge motivator. I think it depends. I doubt if it's too big a deal for a lot of, especially the Americans potentially. But um, I think for I think for players slightly down the food chain, I think qualifying for a big a big match like the Presidents Cup is potentially a motivator for them. Mm, I, just, I, I for for me that would be treated like a as a a bonus, you know, a, a consequence of winning, you know. But like I, a, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I bet I'm, you if you looked at the uh, well, I wouldn't bet you, especially the form you're in, but. Um, I always think that in a President's Cup year, you do get to see more internationals that are at, at the top of or winning golf tournaments. Just my view. What did we think? Um, yeah, well. What did we think this... I mean, I know that Victor Hovland was extremely popular yesterday, being backed in heavily. Would he be someone that interested either of you from what you saw last week? This this is their first week as professionals now, isn't it? Yeah. They're they're gonna have a lot of distraction media wise. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I, look, I, it would not shock me at all to see one one of them in the top five, top ten, just comes out of the blocks and plays yeah. great because they're clearly phenomenal golfers. Um, I mean, to to do it in your first event, pff, wow, it would be absolutely astonishing. I can't see a win happening, but. Um, one of them in the top ten wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a big ask, isn't it? As Barry said, it's it's the whole kind of media whirlwind. You've got to get used to everything that accompanies the the job as well. And again, Matthew, you've got to lift Matthew yourself Wolf, after Matthew Wolf. Paul, he's sixty to one with Paddy Power. Yeah, right there. Yes. Wow. How golf betting's changed over the years, eh? He's shorter than Kevin Kisner with Paddy Bell. Yeah, well, no, exactly. Yeah, and I think you've got to look, you know, read between the lines sometimes and, uh, and pick your battles. And they, these boys are probably good enough to, to, to you know, to, to warrant some support over over the forthcoming months and years. But um, mm. I think you've got to pick your battles. Anything to add? Or are we are we done for the week? No, all good. I think all good. Um, congratulations one final time Barry last week that was a really good effort so well done don't Thank don't spend it all at once nope <laughs> did you see that tweet that Feinberg sent out last night when he was at the parade in Toronto for the Raptors yeah. and he's shouting Gary Gary I thought that was very <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gary Woodland's winning parade oh, yeah. dear. classic I did think of you at that point right Thank you to you, gents. It's been a, a good show. We've enjoyed it. And thank you to the listeners. Of course, all of the content, Paul's uh, preview, my preview, it's all linked in the description box. 
Uh, if you could, of course, write us a review and give us a rating, we would really appreciate it. And of course, if you, uh, we will read it out at the start of next week's show. Thank you very much. And of course, we'll be back next week for the Golf Betting System podcast. Goodbye.